welcome to Pod Be With You, a podcast from the First Congregational Church of Dundee in lovely Dundee, Illinois. Mm-hmm. I'm Paige. I'm Aaron, and it is lovely if you're into that gray fall thing. And I am. So and and I, I, we both really are. I'm wearing a sweater today. I'm super excited. <laughs> There's a great meme starting to make its way around again every time this time of year that said the weather just went from 90 to 55 like it saw a state trooper. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it feels like today. It does. I have been on both sides of that. It is excellent. We are still in the book of Romans, or Paul's letter to the church at Rome for today, so with this Bible study, and another time where Paul, as in his pastoral, semi-prophetic, semi-politician kind of way, helps a community navigate through some difference and through some challenge that sounds actually remarkably relevant. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we'll be reading uh, from chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. And as we remind you each week, we're reading from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, uh, which is not to say that that's the best one, uh, but it's the one that we generally use. Yeah. All right. And in this case, he is talking to, while this is not a community that he founded, not a church that he founded, I should say, and it may not even be a community that he knew really well, but he seemed to know that they had some squabbling, some quarreling over difference. They had a hard time getting along, and it seems to be over two particular issues here. Uh, Those who were following certain food purity laws and those who weren't, and those who observed some holidays and those who did not, and the relationship between those two. So you'll hear some of that in this. Absolutely. So we begin in uh, verse 1. Paul writes, Welcome those who are weak in faith but not for the purpose of quarreling over opinions. Some believe in eating anything while the weak eat only vegetables. Those who who eat must not despise those who abstain, and those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat, for God has welcomed them. Who are you to pass judgment on servants of another? It is before their own Lord that they stand or fall, and they will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make them stand." Some judge one day to be better than another, while others judge all days to be alike. Let all be fully convinced in their own minds. Those who observe the day, observe it in the honor of the Lord. And those who eat, eat in honor of the Lord, since they give thanks to God. While those who abstain, abstain in honor of the Lord and give thanks to God. We do not live to ourselves, and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, so that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? Or why, or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then, each of us will be accountable to God. And here ends our reading for today. Hmm. Um, again, it's wonderful. It's wonderful Pauline stuff. And in some yeah. ways, it's very straightforward because he is, as Pastor Aaron said, dealing with a very specific problem. Um, and so he's very straightforward about it. And toward the end, he gets a little bit more theological <laughs> and a little bit more um, involved uh, as to why. But he he's very clear here. Um, and as, uh, as, as Aaron said uh, as well, um, he's writing to a congregation that that he didn't found. A mm-hmm. lot of his letters that he sends are to congregations that he actually 
set up and started and founded. Um, Rome, the Roman church is not one of those. It was somebody else's baby, as it were. Mm -hmm. And he is, he is in some ways introducing himself to the church at Rome in this letter in Romans, which is why we get a lot of what looks like um, almost a systematic theology, mm -hmm. uh, which is more than we get from Paul and other, and other letters because the other churches, they already knew Paul. They knew what to expect from him. The Romans didn't. And he's dealing with a very specific problem here. The Roman church was a, was a mixture and a meld of uh, these Jewish Christians and these Gentile Christians that yeah. were trying to be together in the same church. And they ran into conflict because of that. Um, so apparently we have some folks that are trying to eat according to the Jewish dietary laws mm -hmm. uh, because they come out of that Jewish tradition. And we have probably the Gentile folks who have no qualms whatsoever about what they eat. It's not a problem for them at all. And they are finding that they are butting heads over this issue. That and also the observance of, of high holy days and sacred days. Mm -hmm. And again, probably coming out of that Jewish tradition, they're observing these high holy sacred days that are part of that. And the uh, Gentile Christians are not at all interested in that. And what is happening is that both sides are kind of looking at the other side and going, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little better than you because I have, I have the more mature faith and clearly I understand this better and, and, um, and, and you don't. Um, and so we, that's what we have going on. And Paul is really clear here that these things are not worth butting heads over. Yeah. Um, and um, the language that he uses that is really important here, I think, uh, comes in verse 3. Those who eat must not despise those who abstain, mm -hmm. and those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat. Do not despise and do not pass judgment. Those are the two things. You're not you're not to look down on somebody else for their uh, opinion and the way that they are choosing to live their lives in this particular way. They're not to despise or pass judgment, uh, but they're really to be brothers and sisters together. It's about relationship yes. rather than being right or wrong. <clears throat> yeah. um, this We used to say this to Liam when he was growing up all the time. What's more important, being right or being in relationship? Um, and well, the answer, of course, is being right. Because <laughs> right? that lasts. I mean, <laughs> relationships come and go. But being right, you know, you can cling to that forever. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> But Paul here is very clear that it's the relationship and the community that is the important uh, thing. And as long as you have your own conviction and you're doing it out of that place of really believing that it is the right thing to do and you're doing it as, in the words of Paul, to the Lord, mm. then that's the right thing for you to do. It is interesting here, though, that he still uses the words weak and strong, um, which kind of, he's showing his hand a little bit. Yeah, he might be doing a little bit of the passing judgment that he is uh, seeing in other people. Uh, yeah, but that's really at the heart of it. It is about that loving relationship. And at this point, this difference is getting in the way of loving relationship. Right. This is one of those that we can look back Again, with the distance of two millennia, we can look back and say, we can probably really understand where both sides were coming from. Oh, yeah. If you're a, a Jew, first century Jew, following Christ, believing he is your promised Messiah of God, and you have also been formed by thousands of years of abiding by these different regulations or laws, really what we would call today faith practices mm -hmm. as ways of living out your faithfulness and showing honor to God, 
you wouldn't want you wouldn't be expected to throw those away just and say just those just don't matter anymore after 2000 3000 years in the same way you have these who didn't share in that tradition these gentiles who are followers of Jesus and you know they can look at this theologically and say really if you observe this day god loves you more if you don't eat this god you're somehow more saved you're sort of earning your way to god well, they have a point, too. That's not the way God works. Absolutely. And Paul had actually, in earlier in Romans, gone to great lengths to talk about this very issue mm-hmm. and to say that um, that that what, what saves us is not what we do or how we do it or what we eat and when we do it, but it is the grace of God. Um, and so uh, he's he's really preaching that that sort of inclusion of the Gentiles as well and as the radical that. grace and, and freedom absolutely of God. yeah um, and so and so you have to have that sort of understanding when you come into this passage too that that Paul is really opening up those doors for anybody who wants to come in 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 radical and scandalous sorts of ways absolutely we can get into that in just a little bit absolutely. because it's about when we divide ourselves up into us and them, the idea that the grace of God is sufficient to hold us no matter what is incredible for us. When we start to realize that it is for them too, it starts to get a little bit strange for some of us. And of course, by the end, as you mentioned, Paul is putting this in some measure of perspective to say Christ died and rose again and is Lord of the dead and the living and all will be held accountable to God in a cosmic sense. It sure makes what these divisions over food and holidays seem a little bit trivial. Yeah. Certainly puts them in perspective. And yet you can see that for people, this was a way of life and family and practice. This was a form of identity these were not things they took lightly. You would understand why this would cause such division. Of course, none of us have ever been a part of any kind of church, family, or community where differences over these things have ever divided us. Oh, no. We've never had problems over what songs we're going to sing or the kind of music or how we're serving communion or anything like that. No, absolutely. What kind of plates Thanksgiving is served on. Right. Um, Sit down, stand up, whatever it is. Uh, Yeah, no, I think... um, I think this is going to be our most sarcasm-heavy podcast so far. That might just be the kind of mood we're in. Um, So what I think is most fascinating about this passage for me, and I'm the one preaching on it this Sunday, so I get to to pick what I think. Yeah, um, is one criticism of Paul that I've heard is that he, in trying to appease a lot of different groups of people, or at least not distance himself or cause other people to dismiss him, he presents multiple points of view as valid and seems to op- hold what can seem like contradictory things. Put most cynically, it seems as though sometimes Paul is talking out both sides of his mouth, right? Where he says both, you need to be really tolerant of one another and do not despise one another. At the same time, uh, He says in verse 5, in the second half of verse 5, let all be fully convinced in their own minds. And certainly Paul himself was a person of passionate conviction. In other letters, um, he's very clear that there are some boundaries and that, you know, there's there's this right and there's this wrong. And 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 if you fall into the wrong category, then you can't be part of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, when you take that all together, it does sound a little bit like he's 
he's saying both he things at the same ways. yeah he wants he wants his cake and to eat it too well and so for some i think that there's a way of 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 looking at this and thinking that paul is encouraging tolerance and acceptance and you say well does that mean just anything goes and he says well no it's not that anything goes we have to be passionately uh, about something, if there is going to be justice, if there's going to be right and wrong, there is right and wrong. But at the same time, don't let that conviction about right and wrong get in the way and make you judgmental and rigid and uh, intolerant and closed off to others. It's about that relationship. And that, to me, this week, holding those two things together is a, a really mature, rather than being contradictory or wishy-washy, I think it's a really mature and sophisticated faith and way of understanding what's at stake in a community. Because what this community is trying to do is what so many of us are trying to do inside ourselves or in our families, churches, communities. Uh, We are trying to hold together often two valuable things that at times seem to be set against one another. And we often, when we are different from one another, tend to see the worst parts of the other and think the best about ourselves. So one of the things we did this morning, this might be our most sarcastic podcast. This might also get to be our nerdiest podcast. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, This is something that came to me as what's called a polarity analysis. It may go by different names. It was, it's a helpful way of diagramming what's at stake here. So uh, go with me on this. Uh, Picture, if you will, uh, not if you're driving, like don't close your eyes if you're driving or walking or anything, but try to picture, (laughs) if you will, we have uh, two mutually beneficial values that we're trying to hold together. One we might call passionate conviction, our belief in things that are right and godly, things that need to be fought for and pursued. And that can be held together in tension with what we might call tolerance or acceptance. And so picture, if you will, this infinity loop where on one edge of it, there's this passionate conviction and on the other, there's tolerance. Well, let's talk about tolerance at first. At its best, tolerance is about things like Humility, recognizing we don't have all the answers ourselves. Respect for the other person and their different perspective, but understanding that they are also a gifted, beloved child of God. Mm -hmm. Acceptance and tolerance, it's about diversity, about recognizing that we were made differently, as Paul said just earlier. We are members of one of another, of this same diverse body, and we need one another. It's about community, the idea that, we will be together not when we are all exactly the same, but when we learn to live faithfully amidst difference. So if tolerance and acceptance is about that, well then, I mean, who can argue with that? No one. Right? Everybody can say that's what we want when we talk about tolerance. At the same time, when we focus only on tolerance, that can get to a place where we can perhaps tolerate too much. And it slips into some of the dysfunctions of tolerance, which can turn into this sort of anything goes, moral relativism, where there's nothing really right and nothing really wrong. You just do whatever you want from your own perspective. There are no universal values. Everybody just needs to accept everybody else no matter what. 
which can lead to some sort of apathy. I don't really care. You do you. It's not my problem. This disengagement, it is what it is. Um, it can lead to these false equivalencies where we say we take something serious at issue like racism and we start saying, well, you know what? People just have different opinions. No, yeah. they don't have different opinions. These are not equal just because they're different and they don't need to be equally respected, equally supported, equally fought for. To be racist is not just different from being anti-racist. It is worse, truly. And when you spend too much time saying everybody's just got to tolerate everything, you get into this place where you have no integrity and no conviction. So if you're still with me and you haven't turned off this podcast yet, <laughs> first of all, gold star. Second of all, that would mean that if you've slipped into some of the dysfunctions of this tolerance, you move up your infinity loop towards the other pole of this, which is passionate conviction, which means figuring out what you really do stand for and advocating for it and working on it. So passionate conviction at its best looks like advocacy for important things. It means, to put it in Christian terms, maybe doing this kingdom work, participating in the work of God with great zeal. It looks like fighting for progress. It looks like fighting for justice. It right. looks like working on behalf of the vulnerable. It looks like true righteousness. Uh, and Paul is all for that, right? He, he's for that in himself and in others. And I think we would say that many of these people in this church at Rome were acting out of their passionate conviction that they were doing what was right to honor God. The dysfunction of that, of course, if you start to stay there, you slip into intolerance and a sort of a closed offness and self-righteousness that puts you over and above others. You start to dismiss and dismean, or demean and despise those who are different. It can lead to bigotry and authoritarianism and this desire to make everybody the same as us and everybody's got to get in line behind us. We see some of those dynamics at work mm -hmm. right around us right now. At which point we need a healthy dose of tolerance to move us back to health, right? And so you can see how we keep going back and forth around this, each of these in some ways as an antidote to the dysfunction of the other. Mm -hmm. uh, we need tolerance and we need passionate conviction. And it is all necessary in this dance of relationship. And it's all in service of this loving relationship. Absolutely. Um, I, I was just thinking while you were saying this, this... This is going to get super nerdy for a moment, too, as well. Well, somebody should. And I, mean, I talk about church polity. Yeah. Ooh, yay. Yes. Um, Which but, is not politics, per se. No. But, but it is about how we organize how ourselves. How we organize and ourselves. And power. So, and yeah. um, just while you were talking about this this, this loop and, and the ways in which these things interact together mm -hmm. and, and are held in tension... Uh, it made me think very much about the way that the United Church of Christ, which happens to be our denomination mm -hmm. here, uh, is is ordered. And uh, it, it does hold these two things in tension, uh, very much so, and deliberately um, uh, wants to be able to have that 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 welcome, that tolerance, but also that, that passion. To stand for something. Yeah, to stand mm -hmm. for something. And... And to understand that people are coming from wildly different places when they come together in a congregation mm -hmm. and to be able to hold those things in tension. So I, I, it just, I'm sorry, it just rang no, that bell it. for me and made me think that's what we do. That's what we do. And it's not just the United Church of Christ. It's all congregations. And that's frankly, I think every person 
individually, yeah. frankly, is trying mm-hmm. to hold together multiple good things that can feel in conflict within them. They yeah. can feel contradictory. At least they're being told they're contradictory when, in fact, they're both good. Yeah. Um, the United Church of Christ, I mean, we do this all the time. We do this with autonomy and covenant, yep. right? You can hold these together in this sort of polarity analysis where, yes, we are all in this together and it is about staying together and we have autonomy to follow the dictates of the Holy Spirit according to our own conscience. Mm-hmm. Both of those things are true, but you could hold these together and say, well, which is it? Are you free to do whatever you want, or are you committed to staying together even amidst difference? And the answer is both. Both. We need both. You do the same thing with justice and mercy, right? Yep. We want justice. We want fairness. At the same time, it is often mercy that breaks cycles of retribution, and it's because it's not only about others getting what we think they deserve. At the same time, Mercy is not just about, well, there's no real right and wrong and there's no consequences. Everything goes. There has to be justice for there to be lasting peace. They're both true. And life then and faith is really about this dance between really important things in service of loving relationships. Absolutely. You were you were talking earlier in our Bible study today about a metaphor that you heard from another minister um, and that um, these things are um, when you're trying to be in balance uh, in your body, uh, Mm -hmm. if you're trying to keep your balance on a balance beam or just even standing on one foot, uh, when you do that, you don't stand stock still. You don't freeze because Mm -hmm. that will immediately pitch you off balance and into a direction that you don't want to go. And instead, when you're balancing, you're constantly in motion, um, uh, going back and forth, regulating, deciding which, which way you need to go to counterbalance the other direction. And that's a, a much better, uh, metaphor than, than just being still in one spot. And that's, that's what Paul is talking about here. We, we don't find that narrow middle road and just stay there. Mm-hmm. But in fact, we kind of lean back and forth to be able to find that balance. And I believe, uh, I could be wrong on this, but I believe I first heard that metaphor in the interest of citing my sources from a devotional offered by Martin Copenhaver, uh, a UCC uh, minister. And it was wonderfully evocative this idea that we, we, we value balance, it seems. Balance is a very positive word in our culture right now, but we often don't know how to achieve it. And too often, as you said, we try to achieve it with a sort of rigidity that says you get to your spot where everything is balanced and then you just hold the line. Or even socially with some of these different issues and some of these things we're wrestling with, so much of the language tends to be about find your thing and hold your line, yep. hold and fight for it. And, and don't ever give up that front. When the fact is that, or, or find what you believe and stick with it, right, mm-hmm. is sometimes the language of, of faith. And you can understand that there's a sense of, yes, there are some dangerous things happening. And faithfully, it does matter that we stand for something and we have integrity and conviction again. But what he describes is he says, uh, as you mentioned, People who balance for a living, dancers and gymnasts and acrobats, are constantly in motion, in part because that motion provides feedback to the sensory parts of our body that that we lean upon to achieve balance. And getting that information is is essential to staying balanced, but uh, also because that is the way we live spiritually. Uh, that That is 
it is much more like a dance. It is less about staying still. It is about being drawn into something for a season and then being drawn back and then moving toward a new frontier, a new passion, a new energy, and then being drawn back. Sometimes it is about being lost and then being found or about leaving and about coming home. But that felt far more true to life for me, this description of faith as being constantly in motion. And sometimes here it's about constant motion between two very important things. The other thing about this analysis that I found helpful is it's it's a good descriptor, right, uh, of this is kind of how it feels to hold these things together and that a mature and sophisticated faith, and I don't mean these things in a self-righteous way, I just think that that's true, mm-hmm. uh, besides just being descriptive of that, it is also a helpful diagnostic tool sometimes to say, where are we stuck? Mm-hmm. You know, if we are, are we stuck in closeness, self-righteousness, despising of the other? We need to take a step toward tolerance and rediscover humility, respect, and diversity and community. If we are finding ourselves stuck in this anything goes, it's pretty much the same, false equivalencies, some of this lazy analysis, then you know what? We need to take a movement towards passionately standing for things that are important and righteous and we believe in and rediscover things like progress and justice and protecting the vulnerable. So many of us find ourselves in many different places in this. And this is a nice way to, uh, it's a nice way to, to find where we are and what might be next for us. Uh, If we really are looking for that, balance or that way forward or a way out. I think that we find that to be really important. As we seem to say every week, we'll we'll see where that all goes on Sunday. But it does seem to me to be another place where Paul is hitting us where we live, Mm -hmm. right? There's a a number of our different conflicts we're feeling right now, personally and familially and, and nationally, that I think could stand to be looked at this way. Are you doing this out of your passionate conviction for the glory of God? Well, you may well be. Is that getting in your relationship with your brother or sister? And do we need to learn to listen and tolerate? The answer for a lot of us is yes. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, as always, for spending this time with us. We hope you found it helpful, uh, maybe even inspiring uh, and meaningful. We encourage you until we see you again to find ways to get together, get inspired, and get to work. We hope to see you Sunday, or at least for you to see us. We are live on Facebook on our Facebook page and Instagram and Twitter, all at FCC of Dundee. Uh, you can find links to that on our website, FCCDundee.com. Uh, please always like, share, subscribe, uh, all rate all those things that help us spread the word of this. Thanks again for your support and for being there. We'll see you soon. Have a great day.